Welcome to the local podcast in three, two, one. Yo, what's up? Welcome. It's podcast day. Yeah. It's always fun <laughs> on a podcast day. Fourth of July weekend. Can't fucking beat it. So today in studio, we have Aaron Gray. He is the owner of Practice Makes Perfect Music Studio. How you doing, bro? Pretty good. Yeah. Thank you for having me today. Absolutely, man. It's been a been a struggle trying to get you in here <laughs> with the switch over the new studio and everything like that. Uh, thank you for your patience. I yeah, appreciate no it. Problem. I totally understand. We're always busy up. Practice makes perfect, so like I get it. Yeah. So. <laughs> all right, man. What's it all about? Tell us. Uh, so uh, I co-own the studio with uh, my good friend Sam Speck Burns. Uh, we started the studio in 2021. Is our official like start date. Um, and we're a totally inclusive, diverse studio. We uh, make it a, a really big effort to hire diverse teachers and be really inclusive to our students and parents and everyone. Uh, we wanted the studio to be a space where anyone can come and have music and arts and do whatever they want to do without any fear of like persecution or any um, derogatory statements. In fact, we even, we make all of our students and parents sign a waiver that says they won't do that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but we really saw a need for a safe space for the arts, in, especially in this area. Um, and when we started, we were just, just Sam and I uh, teaching online because we started in the middle of COVID. Mm-hmm. So we eventually built up enough teacher base and got a couple locations. Now, today, we have four different locations. So we are in Greensburg, Connellsville, Charleroi, and Lancaster right now, um, which is really cool. We have over 250 students and 30 teachers right now. So we started with two and like five students a year and a half ago. So it was really cool. How did you you scale that up so quickly within a year? Like Um, a lot of it was finding friends and teachers that already had some students that could bring a few students with them to the studio. I know one of our founding members, uh, Chelsea Rittenauer, she's a fantastic vocalist. She's our one of our Connellsville teachers. So she had a big Connellsville studio base already. So she had like 20 kids that jumped on. So we had that big jump from those. Uh, but most of it's just been us like really working hard, trying to get out there in the community, doing events. I think this June, we had 17 events alone. Um, (laughs) It was a lot. I'm exhausted. But um, yeah, we had to, we try to get out in the community and do as much as we can. Uh, Volunteer work too. We volunteer a lot. Um, And then we use social media as much as we can to get a word out and spread out and try to get some students in there. So yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's pretty sweet. Um, I don't, I don't know that if you know, but I used to live in Lancaster. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah. So that, uh, where, Where's the studio we're, located there? We're very new out there. We actually, one of my good friends, Hannah Verasano, she went to college with me and mm-hmm. she was a piano minor. Um, and she just had, she's actually having her second child right now. And she actually reached out to me and said, hey, I see you're doing these child development classes. Can you give me any pointers? And I said, why don't you just teach for us? And she was all about it. She said, yeah, you guys do the paperwork, I'll do the teaching. And we were like, nice. sounds good to us. Um, so that was the challenge was now we have to find a space out there. We actually hooked up, Hannah hooked us up with um, a room in the East Petersburg Mennonite Church cool. out there. So we're using that room a couple days a week to teach those baby classes. We don't have any lessons out there right now. That is something we're going to 
stretch into, but we do have our child development classes out there, which is a big hit for that area. So, wow, it's really neat. So tell me about like the early days when it was just the two of you and, and the five students, like did that, was that more of a home operation or did you already have sort of a space? And so when we first started, um, it was, when we were thinking about it, it was before COVID had hit and we both had private studios of our own. So I had a few students and Sam had some and a music studio was always kind of on the books for both of us. And we had never, we just met in December that previous year. So we had never talked about it or anything like that. Um, and one day I was just like, Hey Sam, do you want to like teach with me and we'll see where it goes. And we started that. And most of it was just teaching out of our, like we taught our homes. We had both have home studios. We taught online, stuff like that. And then we just kept adding teachers that had home studios or could teach online. Or we also, one of the unique things about our studios, we offer in-home lessons too. So that was a big thing back then is almost all of our students were in someone else's home. So I'd go to the student's house to okay. teach them. Yeah. Um, but now I think I only have two students of my own that I have to go to their house. They're all either in my studio or Green Beacon or Collins or one of our locations now. So it's really cool. Wow. Dude, that's awesome. So what, uh, I guess, what, what made you decide to go the route of, I guess, kind of like make it front and center, the whole like all-inclusive thing? Was there a reason that... Yeah, uh, that that had to happen or yeah um so i grew up i went to latrobe i grew up in latrobe like i lived here my whole Same. life um and sam lived in pittsburgh so pretty close um and we both experienced like the same stuff growing up like there were we would we'd have teachers that would just tell you you weren't don't try out for this or don't go for that or don't practice this just yeah. because they didn't like us or stuff like that um and then you also find a lot like especially in this area you would get teachers that had that mindset, but also students that had that mindset where you just, you don't feel welcome anywhere. Yeah. And that music should be a safe space. Like that's the arts is like a huge area that mm -hmm. is already diverse and should be safe for those people. Uh, so that's, that was a big thing for me was like, the, we're not having that anywhere. And then the other big thing was the quality of teaching in the area. Um, we've, there's a lot of music studios right now that are popping up all over the place, but a lot of them don't have quality teachers. I don't, mm -hmm. I'm not trying to um, shade any of the other music studios, but we try to make sure all of our teachers have music theory. They all went to college. They all have this certain background in music where we don't have like a 13 year old teaching some guitar right. lessons yeah. or something like that. Um, but we try to make it so that you're learning, you're learning in a safe environment and we are also, we, we're called practice makes perfect, but we know that you're never going to be perfect. Right. It's, practice really does make progress. So we're always trying to enhance our students through practice instead of trying to put them down. So it would never be like, well, you did really bad this week, so you're out or something <laughs> right. like that. Yeah. You know, we're always trying to get them to come back and we're always trying to make them leave with a smile. So those yeah. are the big things for us in the area. Dude, that's fantastic. Yeah, so, like it, it, so I, I suck. At music jo jordan's pretty musically inclined i'm not um so if i came and i started singing and you guys were like stop stop singing <laughs> i would you or would you just be like hey let's work on some we vocals would, we would bit. work through it there's um i don't think i've ever myself and i don't i think i can speak for all of my teachers we will never turn away a student um, we take all skill levels beginning ending 
if you're neurodivergent, come over and see us. If you have a kid that has Down syndrome, come over. We got you. Um, seriously, we'll teach anyone anything. And that that you brought up voice, I love that you brought up voice because that's one of people's biggest complaints or arguments is, oh, you don't want to hear me saying, oh, my voice sounds like garbage. Well, have you ever had a voice lesson? That's my first. Right. Have, yeah. you, have you ever practiced at it? Like, have you ever done any of the work that you need to sound better? Um, that, like, gets people immediately They're like, well, no, I, I just sing in the car. Well, of course you're going to think you sound bad. Here, do this. these two lessons. Come yeah. over and see what you sound like after this. That's kind of where we kind of get adults especially. It's almost always our adults that are like, oh, I can't sing. You don't want to hear me sing. And I'm like, <laughs> I bet you after a couple lessons, you're going to want to hear yourself sing. So, right. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's, it's a free trial lesson. So that okay. you, you have no obligation to sign up or anything after that. When I was in middle school, I, I chose chorus class because I thought it was going to be an easy class, right? <laughs> and so the, there was actually a chorus that you had to sign up for. And so the teacher was looking for like really good singers. Mm -hmm. And so what he would do is he would take us back one by one in like a separate room and he would play on the keyboard and we had to hit the certain notes. And I remember I had to go back there. So my first time singing for somebody it was just me and this dude in the room and he's like going up the scale and I can't hit any of the notes. And he was just like, you're, you're done. You, you, you did it. You did, I, you did I love those stories and I hate that teachers do that. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you a secret. They're just looking for students that can jump into the choir quickly. Right. They're that's, not, they don't, their job isn't to train your voice or anything like that. So if you're not immediately hitting pitches, that's a lot of work for them for one student and they have 50 to take care of, you know, whereas if you're going to a voice teacher, they're going to stop and say, okay, these are what the things you need to work on. Let's, before we even get up the scale singing those notes, let's stop right here, make sure you can match this pitch and then we'll go further. I always tell my students that. And in fact, a lot of my students are now adults because they'll start their kids, their kids will want to quit. And the, the adult is the reason that the kid started in the first place. Yeah. And then they're like, well, maybe I'll take lessons. And I'm like, mm -hmm. what are you waiting for? Let's go. And it, they've, uh, all my adults that sign up, they're still going. Yeah. I have adults that sign up temporarily that have, that I have one right now. She was supposed to have three voice lessons. She's on her second month of te of lessons now. So Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of uh, what's going on at my house. Uh, we have our, our oldest boy signed up for golf lessons. And every time he comes home, he's like, it's a whole new, like, <laughs> golfer and i'm like dude what the hell and i'm like i want to take lessons from this guy because like he's getting like so much better and uh what you call it going back to what you were saying like kids being shitty and stuff like that to each other this actually did happen to him at the country club the other day he was telling me that uh this one kid walked up to his coach and he was like do you think he's trying out and the coach was like i'm not sure he's you know we're working on like you know work learning new skill and blah, blah, blah. And this kid who I guess was on the golf team, he's like some rich kid was like, man, he really sucks. And oh. like the coach was just like, dude, get out of here with that. So I was pretty happy to, to see that the coach was just like not having yeah, any of that shit. That's great. When they shut that down yeah. immediately. I love that. that. I have so many coaches yeah. and teachers that would let that stuff continue. And it's just mm -hmm. like, oh, why? Well, There's yeah. no reason for that. And he's not bad. He's yeah. like he's actually very good. Yeah. Well, the very the basics of, of teaching the pedagogy of it is that let's say this 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 rich kid probably is better than him because maybe he has more sure. experience. Yeah. But and what, access and access. But what 
what that kid's not seeing is there's a lot of people who might not be as good right now, but have a, a higher arc of potential than, than that. So a real right. teacher can see, oh, this person has potential. He could skyrocket past these people who, you know, are probably either don't have the skill set or they have the talent and they're kind of just sliding by working hard, like yeah. working at it. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that's cool that you don't just give up immediately on, on these students <laughs> because um, it, it's at least any, you can at least, progress somebody and get them a little bit better it, they might not be the greatest singer or musician yeah. or whatever it is but they they can at least get better by yeah that's blood. that's exactly that's like our core mission is like practice makes perfect but really practice makes progress as long right. as we're seeing you progress you're doing great that's like our motto like literally any progression that you see you're killing it yeah. um and that i actually want to bring up a point you said about like the rich kid has more opportunities to like learn and we have a foundation that we're starting uh the francis and marion foundation that right now is called the francis fund francis was my grandmother and marion is sam's grandmother sam's grandmother's still alive um but my grandmother paid for all of my piano lessons when i was growing up i couldn't wow. there was no way i would have been able to afford any lessons and sam's grandmother paid for her violin and all of her instrument repairs while she was growing up Wow. So that's what our foundation is going to do is it provides money for kids to take lessons for free or for discounted. Um, we get free instruments for them. We collect instruments. We do instrument drives all the time. Right now I'm sitting on one extra keyboard for a student. We actually needed three keyboards and enough people donated keyboards that we didn't even have to buy one for the student. So that was, we were like blown away. But that's a huge part of our studio is like we started the Francis Fund, I think the same day we started the studio. I was like, we have to have something for kids that can't afford this. Yeah. Um, because that was a big thing. Like you get the kids that can afford it that started lessons and then there's kids that want to do this and just never will be able to because they just won't be able to afford it or some other barrier that they're experiencing. Um, and that's another thing. Like we don't make our kids memorize music for our recitals because there are so many kids that just can't. There are people that literally, you have so many reasons why you wouldn't be able to memorize music. And heck, I'm busy and I know how much time it takes to memorize a piece. Yeah. And if it were me, I'd be freaking out at that recital if I had to re memorize something in that short amount of time. It just takes all the nerves off those kids and then they perform better. There's yeah. no reason for them to have to memorize it when they can't. And there's no reason for them to not be able to afford these lessons. So that's like one big thing in our community. We fundraise as much as we can to be able to give these kids free lessons, discount lessons, and provide instruments and stuff like that. That's awesome, man. It's, it's really cool. I mean, like, you guys, uh, business-wise, you guys really have your shit together. <laughs> it's, very, like it. it's very neat to hear, like, you know, I, I think we're missing a very important part. You, how did you get into music? Like, when did you get into music? So that was, that's kind of my grandmother thing. Yeah. Um, when I was seven, my sister was six. My grandmother told us, she was like, you have to take piano lessons. There was, there was no option. You said, she said, you have to take one week. You come back for the second lesson. After the second lesson, if you hate it, you don't have to take it. My sister flew out the door after the second lesson. I don't think she ever quit something so fast in her life. And I liked it. I was just like, this is awesome. And she was like, You're, here's your first keyboard. Here's money for your lessons. You come to my house. And I went to her house every week for lessons. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's where I got my start with piano. I just started with my grandmother. She was actually my first ever teacher. She taught me my first lesson. Um, and then my second teacher was another family member who's a second cousin. And I had him 
for a while and then we cycled through teachers but every single teacher i had no matter where i was my grandmother was paying for it wow that's really awesome so is that your main instrument yes so i am piano performance it was my uh what i graduated with at saint vincent and i also teach voice and organ organ is like my least uh proficient instrument but piano is like my main and you'd think that piano and organ are very similar but just about to ask they are not <laughs> actually the only thing that's similar about them is they both have keys mm-hmm. which that's basically like saying a flute and saxophone are the same thing because they both okay. have the same kind of keys on them but uh an organ also has a whole foot pedal and it also has like multiple manuals or keyboards um so you have like shorter keyboards but you have them stacked upon each other whereas the keyboard piano is just 88 keys straight across right so a little bit easier for me to manage when they're all here instead of thinking about (laughs) oh i have to move my hand up and then on top of that to make sounds out of the organ you have to pull these things on the side called stops and there's like hundreds of them and you have to know which combinations work and make nice sounds and not uh there's one that literally sounds like a dying duck so if you pull it out the wrong time, it's just this loud blaring. <laughs> I'd like that one. I was going to say that'd be <laughs> that'd my be favorite. Cool. <laughs> I just like to work that in every once in a while. So you uh, you went to St. Vincent? Yes. So that's where um, I went to St. Vincent after I went to Greater Lake Trobe. Uh, that's where I got my piano performance degree. Um, yeah. And I technically graduated from there in 2014, but really it wasn't okay. until 2017, kind of. <laughs> How'd you work that? Uh, that it's actually that's a funny story. Um, so my last year there, I ended up dropping my last semester actually because I was I figured I wouldn't finish my degree because of some things that happened. And I actually asked the dean before this. I actually asked the dean for um, piano. Let me preface this with piano performance and music performance at St. Vincent at the time had the most credits required for any degree period like even if you were on med medical track or like math you didn't have as many credits because your core classes double dipped music only had one core class so there was and it was music appreciation which we didn't take so we didn't ever double dip our core classes so we had to take all this core plus all the music classes and it was like 112 credits just for the music portion so it was it was a lot so i went to the dean and said hey can i take this music history course as my history course can i take this uh language class these three languages i had to take as my spanish and they said no and i was like okay i'm not going to finish in time so i dropped that the same week one of my friends, actually, she actually works for the studio right now. One of my friends asked the same dean for the same allowance, and they gave it to her. What the fuck? Yeah, so I was I was just pretty livid with yeah. that, and it dropped. And then two and a half years later, I actually got a phone call from one of my teachers who was, like, my mentor there and helped me out and said, hey, this dean's going to give you your degree. You just got to sign these papers off and blah, blah, blah. And Boom literally got my degree like three years later for no reason <laughs> they just waved all the stuff that they didn't wave before Man, and i had it yeah <laughs> Same yeah so let me ask you a question yeah um with you being all about you know inclusivity and uh you know 
equal rights for everybody and, and all of that stuff. How was your experience at St. Vincent? It was trash. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not going to lie. Um, my, it was, it was bad. It was, I had just a lot of bad experiences with a lot of people. Um, just my freshman year, in fact, my first semester there, I should have left right after this. Uh, it was in my first semester. Um, some of the prefects lynched a bear. One of the, one of, a gay black student, they lynched his teddy bear in his pod and like left it in his room. And it was a big incident and it was a huge Jesus. thing. What? And yeah, St. Vincent left, swept it under the rug. Um, the offending members of the, whoever did it, had to write a letter. They wrote an apology letter and were left to just be at the school. One of them became a prefect after that. And that was just insane to me. He's in charge of other people and he's lynching people's bears and stuff. Like, why is he allowed to do that? And then the other kid, that the victim, ended up leaving the school, like rightfully so. He should have never yeah. stayed. But like, he didn't get anything from the school in like restitution or even an apology from the school or anything like oh, that. Yeah, was, of course yeah, not. Yeah, of course not. But yeah, so that was my very first experience with like garbage at St. Vincent and just the whole time there's microaggressions from students and staff and uh, like Rick Saccone would constantly call out like Muslim students and other ethnicities. Just even in class, it was, it was so grating just to hear other students tell me about these things, like teachers I didn't even have. Um, I know friends that I went to Lake Trobe High School with that went to St. Vincent as well yeah. that experienced the same kind of things I did. Um, I know that They've been trying to have a LGBTQ group on campus for pff, 10 years now, maybe, and they, they deny it every time. Yeah. Um, there's all kinds of stuff that just isn't right over there. And then this speech yeah. that they had this year, that was like a just that I want to say that I can't believe they had them him come in, but I... 100 percent believe he can did yeah you, did you see it did you watch i watched i watched the entirety so I, I saw the entire speech um it was disgusting but i watched the whole thing um and i applaud those students that stayed at the center for the entire speech and had the um courage and strength just to get through the speech and the courage to ask him questions at the end even though he dismissed them completely which was crazy right um but the that i want to say that it's not the speech that bothered me. It's not that they brought someone in and gave a speech. Okay, free speech. It's that they keep saying that they're inclusive now. They're better now. We're, their new motto is like together in this or whatever it is. It's all togetherness now. And you're saying all this stuff and saying, oh, we're not, we're not this bad administration that you guys had when I was there for my freshman year. We're better now. And then they bring in a racist speaker. It's like... Yeah. Well, you're saying one thing and your actions are doing a totally different thing. Yeah. So I actually, uh, I heard about, uh, through the grapevine, I heard uh, this year that they proposed the LGBTQIA plus group again. And it was denied again. Mm -hmm. But uh, they were told that they could receive counseling for their condition. Uh, I believe that. I believe that. Yep. 
100 percent. i know was, that that the was the group was denied but so yeah can you guys shed some light so when you say group are you saying is it a club or is it club so that it's a student they have student run clubs and that's okay. one of the clubs that is continuously being told they can't exist so or can't have so it. you have to submit uh, and ask for permission to form this club and they're denying it year after year yep okay yeah and so they have to work on their condition or they, they apparently have. they've been given uh they've been given uh the allowance to to go get counseling for their condition do, do they have um uh diversity and inclusion officer at they do not um in fact the only the only staff member of color i even know about is jeffrey mallory um who worked there when i was there and left for another school and they brought him back last year after all the george george floyd stuff um he came back and that's that's who they keep referring us to i haven't heard from him once since i left the school um i've emailed the administration countless times about stuff like this and i still haven't had a response from any of them including father paul jeffrey mallory who they keep telling us like when we do finally get a response it's send this to jeff mallory and then you send it to jeff mallory and there's no response so it's like this yeah. just like they're just totally ignoring us um and i know for a fact that's happening to multiple alumni of color especially um we actually started a St. Vincent group against racism. Um, and we have a letter going out to the board. I think the letter already got distributed, but we had like 200 signatures on that. But that was a common theme with all of the alumni of color for the last like 10, 15 years. They yeah. all said like, yeah, we've been emailing administration. They won't do a damn thing. They won't, they won't even respond to us. Like they won't even respond to us. Right. That is the most frustrating thing is like, these are issues affecting us and you're not even listening. Yeah. at this point like don't get me wrong i don't want to like my goal is not to like shit on a local college like i don't want to be doing that but like when there's something like that that goes on in our community we're a small community and when there's something like that that goes on like i just i feel a need to talk about it we have to you know you got to talk about this stuff and like you know nobody's gonna know about the bear nobody's gonna know about you know this uh this group being denied and mm -hmm. things like that i mean these are things that i hear just from other people and stuff like that and uh you know it's it's just absurd to me that in the year 2022 that we're running into issues that people actually give a fuck what other people do with their personal lives it's like dude be be fucking better like go do go do your own shit yeah, yeah um well to the point with the, the lynching story if we didn't talk about it if you didn't bring that up no one would ever know what was going on yeah you exactly were kind of alluding to that so it's not necessarily that you're just talking down to a, a college but it's like this is something that happened yeah. and if we don't talk about it then it, it exactly what happened with the bear it gets swept on swept under the rug and mm -hmm. you know when when you have these type of incidents, the party needs to be held accountable. And I don't know if, you, I'm sure you did, but whenever that happened, um, Quinlevin, the dean of the school, mm -hmm. gave this very poor statement. I don't, I don't, I won't use the word apology. Um, and that's kind of it. That was all that was really the response. And now he's gone. 
Yeah. So he he just dipped after that. He said, "Here's oh, you know, we we always want to make sure we're inclusive and and mm-hmm. we're we're together." And then he's like, "All right, I'm out of here." And there's a new guy. So it, it there's just no accountability on on a lot of that stuff. And and people want to hear about that. This is a major institution in our community. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And when you have schools like uh, Seton Hill, that's there's that's St. Vincent's sister school. There's right. sister schools, and you have Seton Hill who has LG multiple uh, pride groups, LGBTQ groups. Uh, their administration constantly and consistently supports the community and people of color in their community and people with disabilities in the community and not neurodivergent people. We constantly get emails from the dean of the school that's celebrating. We they celebrated Juneteenth. Yeah. Um, and St. Vincent will probably celebrate that in 200 years or something, you know. <laughs> right. Um, but it's it's just kind of like embarrassing yeah. that you're down the street, 15, 20 minutes, you have your sister school that's doing all these great things and kids are raving about it and kids are safe there and it's a nice school. And then you have St. Vincent that, that hasn't had a good headline in the last 10 years. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I went to Seton Hill and I, I, I personally loved Seton Hill. The, the thing I really, and I don't know that any of us have our answer, but that I think about is you do have these two polar opposites, which is St. Vincent and Seton Hill, sister and brother schools. But one, I don't know, are they holding so true to a Catholic identity that they're denying, and the and the other is not? Like what what? It, do you do you see what I'm headed with this? Yeah. Like they both have the same Catholic identity. Like they they all come from Sisters of Charity, Elizabeth Ann Seton, like. That whole line, they're from the same thing. They just, it was a boy's school and a girl's school. And yeah. so they, they share all those values. And then now they're totally different the way that they operate. I think it, uh, this is going to sound kind of weird, but I think it comes from a lot from, it was a women's school and a men's school. Mm-hmm. And it turned into, this was run by white men. This was run by women who at the time were currently, and even now, didn't have as many rights as sure. people at St. Vincent, you know? So they, they saw a need for that. They're the ones they couldn't vote when the school first came out. They couldn't do these things, right? right. And they're supposed to be running the school. Of course, you're going to see that need in the community to support one another and not put yourself down or put other people down for how they live or who they love or what they look like, mm-hmm. where you have the nuns that people are doing that to. And they f- they feel that, you know, and I feel like at St. Vincent, the administration, none of them have ever had that experience, you know, probably not. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where my thought process is like why that branch so diversely. Yeah. So differently at the end. And I don't even know the type of students that St. Vincent's recruiting. I know personally that Seton Hill recruits far and wide, other countries, other areas within the United States. So I know they really try to pull. I don't know if St. Vincent does that or if it's more of a local population. I feel like uh, St. Vincent has a lot more local okay. uh, than Seton Hill does, a lot more. Um, and one thing, when I was there and things I've heard students, current students complain about, alumni still complain about is they do go to these other schools and recruit people of color or um, other ethnicities. Uh, for example, they have a school in Newark, New Jersey, um, St. Benedict's Prep, where mm-hmm. it's an all boys school. It's mostly uh, people of color, minorities, and they draw directly from that school and get kids to come 
to St. Vincent and they tell them like, oh, you can play football, you'll be on the sports team, I'll do this, 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 this. And then they get to St. Vincent and they're not getting all these opportunities and they're realizing it's not as good. And the St. Vincent is promising them it's a diverse and inclusive school and they get to St. Vincent and somebody, Teddy Bear gets lynched the first day they're there. You know, it's right, like, yeah. I don't think that's true. And that's, that's another big thing is a lot of the alumni have started going back to their high schools that were recruitment schools for St. Vincent and they're writing letters or they're calling and saying, don't send kids to St. Vincent anymore. Like, what are you doing? They're, they're literally racist and you're sending black kids to the school, like stop yeah. it. Um, so that I think drawing from those sister schools helps St. Vincent, but at the same time right now, it's going to hinder them because those, those people that they're bringing in from those schools are the ones they're hurting the most. Yeah. That's wild. So it's like a, it sounds like an administration thing is what you're talking about. The administration just doesn't have the experiences and maybe yeah, I, I feel like the, the biggest thing they need is a DEI board. Um, they don't have anything like that at all. Yeah. They don't have any diversity and inclusivity stuff. They don't have a person that knows what they're doing with diversity and inclusivity. Like you can't just say, Hey, here's one black guy. Here you go. All the problems go to him. <laughs> Like what? <laughs> Come on. Which is what? Which is what? Which happened. is what they're literally <laughs> right. doing right now. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and then that, even if he is overwhelmed because they're sending everyone to him, it's been six months since my last email. And I still haven't had a reply. Like, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just wondering about the same Vincent thing. <laughs> we talked about we talked about that at length uh, yeah. on another episode. Yeah. The speech. Um, but, uh, back, back to the music thing. I just, um, your, your studio is located at the Green Beacon. Yeah, we have, we have a studio at the Green Beacon from, uh, Saturdays through Monday or Saturdays through Tuesdays. We're at the Green Beacon. Um, and then we're also in Connellsville at the community center out there. We have, uh, our own studio there seven days a week. And then we actually just partnered with Daniela DeClaudio Productions in Charleroi. So we have a few teachers that we teach our child development classes out there and have piano voice and uh, violin lessons out there now. Cool. So, yeah. So if we were to pop down to uh, the Beacon, what uh, what lessons are available down there? Um, there's a lot at the Beacon, actually. We have percussion, guitar, piano, voice, ukulele is happening. We have flute, uh, all reed instruments, pretty much. The only instrument we don't have at the, at the Beacon physically right now, a teacher for, is saxophone, actually. Wow. Um, saxophone, which is bizarre. You'd think we'd find a saxophone teacher pretty fast, but they're actually kind of rare in the area. <laughs> you know what? I actually, I could help you out. I took saxophone in fourth grade. Hey, there we go. That's Boom. better than any other applicants we have so far, so... <laughs> And uh, I he still remember. I remember how to put it together. So, <laughs> hey, there we go. I could teach a beginner's class. That's what. That's all we need. Yeah, that's sweet. So, what? Uh, what kind of uh, age range? I guess do you guys work with? Is it? Is it everybody? Everybody. We do. Our youngest is six months for our child development classes. We have mm -hmm. six months, two years, two years to four years, and then um, our oldest student right now is eighty-three. Wow. So, and <laughs> most of mine, most of mine average about 25. Dang. So, so. what's, what's a six month class looking like? Are they just yeah, like throwing, like, throwing uh, bells It's actually, you'd think it's just chaos, right? Um, uh, but exactly it's actually, yeah. My wife actually designed the class, which was really cool. My wife and Sam's wife, they designed the first iteration of this course. And my daughter actually takes the class right now still. Um, 
But the six month class, you'd think it's just like a mess and chaos. But it's like you're, yeah, you're doing so you're doing songs the whole time, and in these songs and in between the songs, you're you're with the the classes are with family, so you can have up to four family members. So you only pay for one admission, and you can have um, mom, dad, and two kids, or you can have one kid, um, dad, dad, and uncle, or you can have mom, mom, aunt. And a kid it can be any combination you can have three guardians with one child or you can have three kids with one parent we don't recommend that because sanity for the parent obviously right, yeah. um, but you can do that any four for that I think it's $17 a week so we keep it pretty cheap for the kids and yeah. then the class is kind of structured and a little bit loose so we have toddler instruments so we have small size instruments that are real instruments that actually work so we have this tiny like purple drum set that they can use we have a couple guitars a couple um violins uh little keyboard stuff like that but we also have all these percussion instruments so the class is structured we have like a welcome song the kids all sit on the laps and they like get used to rhythm so they tap and stuff like that and then as the class goes on they start using tambourines and maracas and shakers and that's the six month class usually gets those instruments more and then our toddler class has it's the same structure same idea but we start developing their instrumental tastes a little bit more in that class so we start with the shakers and stuff so they can run around and have fun but the last 10 15 minutes of every class we let the toddlers just play on the new instruments so they're all like sized for the toddler so it's really cool because they can sit down at the drum set and you're not scared that they're going to fall off or break their head off a cymbal or something right. um, and they can just pick up and they've been really great at sharing and walking around and we have enough guitars that they, we have like two kids with a guitar in each class and a couple violins and if the kids are showing promise or they're like really gravitating towards something then we'll take out a real instrument and be like okay come here and their faces light up and it's like oh wow i get to play an instrument um, yeah but it is, it is kind of structured. We do the songs. All the songs are developed. Well, not developed, but you, we pick songs that are used to develop certain skills. So we'll do alphabet stuff, um, a lot of motor skills. And the biggest thing that we develop with the kids is social skills. So that's one of the biggest things for our parents is they are like, this is fantastic. We, don't, we've, we had COVID and mm -hmm. now we're, we have this six-month-old or a year-old and we don't know what to do with them we don't have yeah. anywhere to go we, we're still trying to be safe and that's we try to be as safe as we can with covid and when we first started we were doing all the protocols we still hand sanitize we clean all the instruments between classes and stuff like that and if there's ever a parent that wants to wear a mask they are absolutely welcome to come mask the kids are allowed to wear masks if they want to um but we leave it up to the parents as well so that's kind of what our classes are structured like for the little ones wow yeah, it, I mean, it sounds amazing. Uh, I went to lunch with a friend of mine today, and uh, we were sitting there just talking about our boys and stuff like that, and uh, we were just saying that kids these days really don't have the the opportunities to gain as much uh, common sense, social skills, and things like that that, that we did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it's, you know, partly because of the internet, video games, all of that stuff. There's a lot of solo activities yeah. mm -hmm. that, that kids gravitate to now. So to hear that you guys are like really pushing that whole like social interaction stuff is fantastic. I think that's like really, really important. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, we noticed that, that parents really like, they really, like you said, they yeah. think that's really important and we do too. Like even with our daughter, um, 
she we have like uh our godson that's the same age and we have another friend who just had a baby that's this they're like days apart all three of them oh, yeah. but one lives an hour and a half from us and the other one lives in rhode island and it's just <laughs> like okay well we have all these babies together but they're never together right. um so that's something that the class actually brings in one of my friends kids is coming in um, one of our teachers brings her kids to the class and they all get this social development that they weren't getting before which is, i think is just awesome and like seeing the kids like develop from it's really cool because we've been doing this since November. Mm -hmm. So you literally are seeing, watching the kids that repeat grow up. Um, so like Caden started and she couldn't even move. She was like a little log and could yeah. do hands and stuff. <laughs> and now you see her at home and a song will come on, she'll start dancing and she'll like tap to the beat and stuff or she'll pick up an instrument and actually start playing with it. Yeah. And that's not, that's like, wow, they're actually like learning stuff from right. our class. That's something that I don't attend the class, but at home get to see Caden's learn those skills and bring them home. It's right. really cool. I mean, I don't know if you know, but uh, our homeboy Ryan over here just had a baby. I did not know that. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. He's six weeks old. Oh, wow. Yeah. So awesome. he's not quite ready to yeah. get at it. But <laughs> Maybe the lack of uh, musical ability dies with you. <laughs> that, would be, <laughs> that would be great. Not just musical ability. Artistic ability <laughs> in all is pretty, pretty poor. But I... So what I'm really interested in this for him, right, is I saw in, in the trib, Greensburg, or I think it was actually Westmoreland County, put on this thing where they allowed middle school and high school, high school students to come in and try different trades and different activities and things like that. And I thought that was the greatest thing because kids don't have exposure. And when, when I was in high school, you were in, if you went to Votech or something like that, you know, you had all this exposure. But other than that, you don't really know what any of this stuff is. Even even basic careers, you don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. And so I have the mindset, this dad mindset of, I want to expose him to everything mm -hmm. because, and even if it's just one single class mm -hmm. of, of this, or if it's like, hey, let's go check out what this occupation is or anything like that. And I think the more companies and organizations and um, studios and things like that offer just like, hey, just come check us out. Yeah. That's really, really big because yeah. I remember I remember back when I was a kid, I always felt like I had to commit my whole life yeah. you know, to yeah. something like that. Like if I wanted to play yeah. piano, that's it. I'm a piano player forever now. And I like that would make me hate it knowing that I'm like, this is a job. Yeah, I sure as shit do. gave up on the saxophone, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I made it through fourth grade, 180 days. Um, yeah, but. I just I like the fact of getting a little bit of a taste, um, and and the social aspect too is like it's so much more fun to do it with people that you interact with and you get to yeah, develop relationships. That's, it's been really great. Um, even just like developing parental relationships has been nice. Um, a lot of the parents have like made friends in class, and they there were a couple of people that actually live in my neighborhood that showed up for class, and we were like, we're neighbors. <laughs> what? Okay, cool. So it's that was really cool because there's this uh, there's actually two groups of kids that started the first class with us who are now friends with my wife and like the kids are all the same age so nice. we can go have play dates and stuff like that wow. too which is a nice aspect but yeah i do love i do love getting a taste of things i do love like sending i want to send my daughter to experience everything right mm -hmm. like you don't know what you're going to like until you try it right and that's that's where i'm at like yeah you should come try music and if you don't like it okay 
Like, yeah. I, we're not going to shame you into trying to, right. you have to stay because you signed up for one lesson or stuff like that. No. Yeah. Um, even if you quit in the middle of taking lessons, like, okay, you didn't like it or like you weren't working at it. That's, that's a you thing. I'm not going to get <laughs> mad about that. Like, mm-hmm. you pick what you want to do and you decide when you want to do it, right? Yeah. Like, that's, we, we want to give our teachers all the power and then our students the power to choose what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So do you like create curriculum and then give it to your, to your teachers or do they do their own thing? So all of our, for private lessons, all of our private lessons are just do your own thing. Um, when we hire teachers, we, I wouldn't say vet them. Um, we do a small interview. Usually it's over zoom, but almost all of our teachers are someone we knew before or were recommended by someone or have seen them perform. And I don't think I have my, my, Teachers are fantastic right now, um, but we don't provide any curriculum for them. They have to bring it up themselves, and that's that brings up this other point: is we have student teachers. Um, all of them are, most of them are from Seton Hill. One of them is from St. Vincent right now. Um, but our student teachers offer two things: one, a cheaper way to take music lessons because we hire them out at a lower rate because they're students, so they don't know as much as our professionals is the idea. And because they're in college, so their schedules are a little wonky. They have performances and other classes and stuff. So sometimes they might have to cancel or whatever. But we offer our student program as a shadowing opportunity for the students in the college courses to come, like, learn how to teach. And at the same time, it's throwing them in the deep end teaching, and they're they're grasping it, and we're getting them, and we'll help you through it when if you're a student like that. But we get to offer cheaper lessons and the students get to learn and we make sure that those students know that what they're teaching, you know, that it's not mm-hmm. like they're coming in and I don't know what to do. They're just frozen yeah. or something. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we can, in fact, one of my teachers right now shadowed me for three weeks before she started teaching on her own. And I'm totally confident that she's going to teach fine. Um, but yeah, that's, it's kind of like that. We just have that student program, which is awesome. Um, I think that's it. With the what about what about the non-private? Is there so the we stuff? have group we have some group classes and we normally discuss with the that teacher what depending on what the class is. So for example, we have those child classes. My wife and uh, Sam's wife develop them, so she works with all of the teachers that teach that class to make sure that we're doing kind of the same thing, but we still have total freedom. Like Hannah, for example, in Lancaster, she plays the guitar. She actually, she's a pianist, but she plays the guitar too. So a lot of her class revolves around her playing her own music. Whereas Julia's class, they use recordings. So it's, you get some yeah. cool differences like that where you actually see the teacher playing some instruments. Um, and then like, for example, our Charleroi class, you, they got to play the big piano. The kids, all the kids get to play the piano, a real piano. We have only keyboards at the beacon. So they get to play keyboards, but at Charleroi, they were like, oh, a piano. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was really cool for them. But yeah, you get those little subtle differences, but for the most part, we try to keep the same classes under a general blanket uh, curriculum and not really yeah. like specifics. Yeah. yeah. You should, you should franchise this. <laughs> I'm so, I'm firing on all. So <laughs> they're already starting. Yeah. Let's, let's talk. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're going all these different locations. Um, yeah. I think it's a great idea. I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. I, I enjoy the stuff that's, I know it's not targeted at kids. I know you have a, a base of everyone, mm-hmm. but I like the idea of having a target of kids because 
um, I think a lot of the music programs that I've seen are just like, we just do kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you don't get that experience of working with a lot of different groups and, and figuring out what works. I can think of a couple or, pro- or programs that it's like, yeah, we, we just do like, if you're like 18 or older, we'll teach you how to do guitar. You yeah. know, like yeah. it's very limited on yeah. what you can do. Yeah. No, we have, we offer so many different things. It's really cool. Um, we have a lot of teachers that are really good at different areas too. So I have a bunch of teachers that are great with kids. Um, then I have a lot of teachers that are like, please don't give me anyone younger than 13. <laughs> Um, and it's, that's like, okay, cool. But that gives us this big range where we have, okay, it's an adult, send them to these three teachers and we'll have this nice adult studio built up. And then, um, I, am so confident in all my teachers ability to like guide those students to where they need to go. It's not even funny, but yeah. Nice. Cool. Aaron Gray. Practice makes perfect. Uh, you want to give us, uh, some, some, uh, links and. Where can uh, yeah? So you can find, find you. us at pmpmusicstudio.com. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. At our tag is at PMP Music Studio on I believe all of those. Um, actually, I think our Twitter is PMP Music Twenty Twenty One. That one, our, I think that one has changed. When yeah. did that you make that? <laughs> <laughs> that one went a little rude. <laughs> but yes. Awesome, man. I'm so glad that uh, we finally got you on here. And to be honest, like this is this was such an amazing episode to learn that there's something like this going on here that I had no idea about. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I think it's cool you're, you're partnering with the Green Beacon, too. Yeah, yeah. I love, love, those, love those guys. Yeah. They're great yeah. down there and love being there. They're so chill. It's yeah. been awesome. But yeah, thank you for having me on the podcast. This has been awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, loved man. it. Awesome. All right. Next time. Welcome to the Local 724 Podcast in 3, 2, 1.